Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Ryan, I've been looking forward to this week's show. Uh, we're going to look back and, uh, and, and really, there's been some highlights of 2020, right? There's been a few, and we're going to break those down, Chad. We're going to go from 12 to 7 in this week's episode of the top 12 stories for the Chicago Cubs in the 2020 season. Now, I'm not going to ruin anything or spoil anything, so you have to listen. We'll have the other six. Uh, it's, it's a two-parter, guys. It is 12 to 1, and I am super excited about our guest. It's our first three-time guest, good friend of the show, Saluki and just a tremendous guy, Mark Silverman. What what can you say about this guy? Yeah, it's really incredible. We're going to get into all things Cubs with Mark. And of course, Mark's been dealing with some personal issues as well. His health scare, we're going to talk to him about that too. And he may even get a blazer out of it like they give on Saturday Night Live, Chad, when you hosted the show multiple times. Now that Mark's been a guest on our show multiple times, maybe we have to get him up blazer as well with the friendly confines emblem on it i love that i love it yeah stick around because the holiday edition of the friendly confines starts right now hi everybody i'm ryan lieber he's chad gordon and welcome to our holiday edition of the friendly confines we start as we always do in the first inning, Chad, and the number 12 story of 2020 has to be the launch of the Marquee Sports Network. It was certainly a challenging time to get this network off the ground, Chad. What were your initial thoughts of the Marquee Network in its first year of broadcasting Cubs baseball? I mean, what a horrible time to launch a network. I mean, just, you know, the expectation of, of this network was it was going to be a cash cow for the Cubs, it was going to, you know, allow them to, to, to pick up additional uh, relievers and middle relievers and, and additional players and make trades at the deadline. But instead, there was more college football and, and basketball, I think, than Cubs baseball um, of no fault of the Cubs. I mean, this is just the, the, the timing of this was horrible. You look at what the Dodgers did a few years back. They, I mean, they got two, three billion dollars when they went out on their own and solidified everything, even though they weren't in all the cable networks. The Cubs didn't have that benefit. I don't know the cash cow they're going to be able to realize, especially with the uncertainties of this year. I was excited about the personalities that they, that they allowed. I was excited that I had one-stop shopping for uh, for for Cubs uh, features and stories, things like the the Sandberg game to you know uh, you know showing different uh, retrospectives of, of of big moments, you know like the the Bodie Grand Slam or you know Game Seven. You know, they, they did a wonderful job, but they were so hamstrung with, with COVID and everything that it entailed. And it's so funny because it's a far cry before COVID was even a, 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 a glimmer of an idea. Think about the previous six months before the launch, everybody complaining because it wasn't on their cable network. So Marquee Network right now hasn't shown us anything yet. I'm excited for it to just to be a part of Cubs baseball. How about you? Yeah, I mean, listen, certainly we are so used to WGN and the folksy sort of broadcast that they brought year in, year out when they were on TV, whether that was with Harry Carey 
or Chip Carey or then on to Len Casper. We saw variations of what this new network is going to look like. The three-man booth, the buttoned-up look with the suit and ties that they want, you know, to have a more professional network sort of look. Um, I think it may have turned off some Cub fans because they weren't used to it. I think the three-man booth is definitely an experiment they tried, but there were some things that I thought were really cool that they did. The... um, you know, like the base cam where you could literally see the runners, you know, rounding the bases from that angle, kind of like what we see in the NFL when, um, you know, they have the end zone camera and you're able to kind of see it from like a low angle shot. There are things that they have done. I think the, um, as you said, documentaries were great. The inside information that they are trying to provide to bring in all Cubs network Um, you know, sands of, as you said, the college football games or the other college sports. I think this is just one of those things that it's going to take time to get its footing. And hopefully throughout the years, it's going to gain and have a better understanding of what they need to do to provide um, a great telecast for Cub fans year in and year out, just like we saw for years on WGN. All right, let's move on to the second inning. And this is our number 11th ranked story of 2020 and it was a big one uh, the transition from uh, surefire hall of fame manager joe madden to david ross so rossi takes over ryan what were your thoughts of david ross's uh, initial run as the cub skipper well certainly they stayed close to home a guy who i think everybody sort of pegged as being the next manager after joe madden rossi of course springs such a pleasant attitude. He's great with the media. The fans love him. The players love him. He's, you know, that prototypical sort of former catcher who gets a managerial job. We've seen it so many times before with other players who are managers in the major leagues that have played that position, understanding how to, you know, work a pitching staff, understanding the nuances of the game. And I think David Ross in his rookie season, he certainly proved that he is, done a good job and at the same time understands his players, but yet has a long learning curve too. I thought he was the logical choice to take over this team. And I hope to see more success from David Ross and his ability to grow into this role as years to come. And and with that, hopefully more winning seasons too. What about you? Yeah, I love the pick. You're right. It did seem predestined. It wasn't really a surprise when they announced it. Uh, You know, there has been that movement in Major League Baseball to to go to the younger, you know, former players and because maybe they have more familiarity with the group. I mean, let's be honest, the manager now doesn't quite manage like a manager 20 years ago with the analytics. There's a lot of decisions that are already being made in terms of when the pitchers are going to come in, when the pitchers are going to come out, the different lineups, who's going to go against two with the matchups analytics drive so much, but what David Ross does for the Chicago Cubs is he's that, that mouthpiece, that voice piece that was going to actually be star on, on press conferences after every game on the marquee network that, that you're right, connects really well with the media and has a familiarity was a teammate for many of the players uh, on this squad. And I think, you know, uh, for him getting the votes he got, uh, you know, for uh, one of the coach of of the year finalists, I think that says a lot about what he was able to do, bringing the title in. Um, You know, he was able to, there wasn't a drop off uh, noticeably. And in fact, you know, the one positive, and we mentioned this several times during the podcast, 
is how many times during a typical Cubs game or during a typical week were we talking about decisions that Joe Madden did that everybody was upset with or shaking their heads. And so that was kind of a nice change that we really weren't waiting for the manager to insert himself into decision making uh, in a way that uh, that was, you know, that was frustrating, you know, all the way to the, the game seven of the 2016 World Series. Joe did it. He was famous for it. David Ross was allowing his players to play. And I'm excited to see how he's going to evolve and if he can light a fire under this team coming into 2021. All right. So let's move on to the third inning, Chad. And our number 10 story of 2020 was the quick exit from the postseason. The Cubs, of course, making the playoffs, but Major League Baseball changing things up with a division round of three games, best of three. The Cubs hosted the Marlins. And just like that, the Cubs were bounced in two games. Chad. What happened, and why did the Cubs get so quickly tossed in the first round of the playoffs, and how detrimental was that for a thud to the season? Well, I mean, you're down there in South Florida. You got to see the the Marlins more often than than anybody else, really, that watches the Cubs, because obviously with with uh, playing East and the A on the and the NL, same thing with the, the Central Plain, just in their region. Uh, you know, a lot of Cubs fans didn't see the Marlins. You had talked them up going into the last couple of weeks and actually said they were one of the few teams or team that you would really not like to face because they had a lot of young, unheralded um, players that were really coming on. And the Cubs ran into that. And they weren't really dominated uh, as much as the the really the bigger problem with this Cubs team, which has been a feast or famine situation in 2020. And, and we hit the famine stage. And if you look at the last month of the season, I, I, I believe the Cubs were going into that Marlins series were 14 and 12. I mean, they had lost three out of four to the Pirates. They had, uh, you know, lost the series uh, to the Twins. You know, uh, they, they, they beat the White Sox in the final series, two out of three. But this was a team that you weren't sure what you were going to get, but you weren't surprised if you got the dominating nine-run performance or if the Cubs got shut out. And this was one of those situations where the Cubs just look lifeless, um, swinging at pitches they shouldn't have been swinging at, could not produce anything, and really honestly looked distracted and ready for the season to end. How about you? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. And yes, the Miami Marlins are a team that I think are really going to surprise a lot of teams going into 2021. I know everybody's all in on thinking the Mets and the Braves are going to maybe be the two teams everyone's talking about uh, for the NL East. But I'll tell you what, Don Mattingly won manager of the year. The Marlins certainly are a team that I think are really going to continue to improve and, and be really good. And we saw that in a very uh, short playoff series with the Cubs. As you said, it just, once again, the bats did not come to life. Um, They were just overmatched. They did not, you know, look comfortable at the plate against the Marlins pitching staff. And it just, once again, gave us more questions than it did answers about this Cubs offense and really about this Cubs team is if, are they ultimately built to win? And uh, I think that's the questions that, they are now facing in this offseason as we head into the 2021 year. So for me, um, I think that that is something that certainly was uh, unfortunately uh, what we saw with the Cubs um, as, a, as a roster that overall maybe this team just isn't ultimately a championship caliber team. Well, let's move on to the fourth inning and our number nine story of the 2020 season. Speaking of feast and famine, 
Bobby Baez took a major step backwards in his age 27, which typically is when statistically you shine his age 27 season. What do you make of Javi Baez's struggles at the plate? Obviously not with the glove, but he sure looked like rookie year Javi Baez swinging at some pitches that just made no sense and showing really no discipline and, and his statistics proved it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's one of these situations, Chad, that we had such a small sample size that Javi just wasn't comfortable at the plate all season long because of various reasons. He used to talk about the fact that the video, um, the fact that he wasn't able to watch video in between innings or in between at-bats was a big reason why he couldn't study the pitchers. Um, But it's alarming, and I'd like to think that he's going to work through that because when you have a small sample size, I don't think you get an ultimate – um, sort of feel of how a player is going to look because if this was a regular season, he would have had at least 120 more games to kind of get himself to a place where maybe he could have caught fire. I'd like to think this was an aberration of a season just because of everything that we were dealing with this year um, and no fans in the stands could have been another reason because he's a guy who certainly draws energy from the fans as well as not being able to look at video Um, But yeah, it's unfortunate to see because as we've talked about many times on this show, Javi Baez is really the future of this franchise. And when you're starting to see him not play at a level that you think he's capable of, it's alarming, at least for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you you hit some things that he he mentioned. I mean, he talked, he put a lot of credit. He didn't talk a lot about the the, the crowd as much. That was a uh, something that you and I uh, kind of came up about uh, and, and and shared that uh, that you know he does feed off the crowd. If there's no energy there, there's no energy there. But that video piece, he's going to have to get over it. That is that's 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 over. The Astros have made in dugout accessible video feeds. That's the thing of the that's the thing of the past. So they're going to have to figure something, some other way out to relay the information. Is going to allow him to make some tweaks. But for a guy to barely bat over 200, I mean, you said you know, if he had more, more at bats, but he, he played 59 games. So he would only got a hundred more games. Let's say he takes four of those games off. Really. You're only going to get 98 more games to bring that average up. His, his slugging was, uh, was, uh, uh 360. His, uh, on base slugging, um, on base print was under 600. I mean, that is, that is second baseman. Like that's not powerhouse shortstop like and that's definitely not Javi Baez like so a major step backwards after the 19 uh, uh, year and the 18 year where he averaged uh, 32 home runs um, you've got to see something more out of Javi in, in in the next year otherwise again it's not one of those uh-oh statements and then we have the question that we raised last week on the show about the 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 Cubs staff about what you know what steps are some franchises doing that the Cubs aren't doing because you don't see tremendous growth and you don't see a, a, a better approach at the plate by Cubs players. They seem to be what they are. You know, Albert Armour never got better here. And so if Javi can't be fixed and he's going to blame it on not seeing in-game video, that's going to be a major concern. And for me, from an offensive standpoint, Chris Bryant was injured. You know, Rizzo didn't have the chance to heat up. Wilson did Wilson things. Ian looked amazing. Hayward had a fantastic year. Schwarber really struggled. We're going to talk about that. But, you know, with Javi, um, that is a major concern point because that was the guy that everybody looked at and said, this is going to be his breakout year, and it certainly wasn't. All right, so let's move on to the fifth inning, chat and our number eight story of 2020. Well, Kyle Schwarber. It was nice knowing you. Kyle Schwarber ends his Cubs career potentially with the Cubs 
outright releasing him at the end of this season. Kyle, of course, with some unbelievable uh, notes in his Cubs history book. What are you going to miss the most about Kyle Schwarber, Chad, as we close a chapter on a guy who certainly was a fan favorite and contributed very much to that 2016 championship, even though he only played in a very small amount of games that season? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go on record and, and say in my lifetime, we will never see anyone do in major league baseball what Kyle Schwarber did in that 2016 season to play two games to blow out your knees in the most explosive way possible just absolutely decimate decimate your ACL and the MCL um and 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 but yet still battle back fight back rehab keep your your focus you know with with no competition whatsoever but keep your focus to get back into the game and then get activated before the world series come in and bat over two uh, over 420 um for for the the um the entire world series if he had played defense with those stats he would have been the mvp um and for him to lead off the 10th inning against a major shift and really start that rally uh, that allowed for that run to come around when uh, when Zobrist uh, uh, hit the double herd around the world. I mean, that'll never happen again. What I'm going to miss about Kyle Schwarber, I loved his swagger. I love that Herculean, that Ruthian, you know, uh, you know, kind of that Bambino. He was ours, right? He was the guy that you felt like he could literally hit it over the building um, on Sheffield or Waveland, probably not she- uh, Wet Waveland, but definitely Sheffield um, at a moment's notice. I was at that game where he parked that ball in 2015 against the Cardinals in the NLDS on top of the scoreboard. <laughs> the most incredible home runs I've ever seen. Um, I'm going to miss just his swagger, his confidence. When he was in the batter's box, he looked scary. He looked like a guy that was playing softball, adult men's softball that could hit a mash it over a building 350 feet away and it's on a softball league. I'll miss that. Um, he was a tremendous uh, teammate. He did great things for the community. Um, I wish him well. The concern, you know, that I had have for Kyle is that everybody said, oh, he really isn't meant for the National League. He's meant for the DH. Well, the Cubs had a situation where he could have been the DH and he didn't really shine. Again, another year, much worse than hobbies. I mean, he batted under 190 for the year, really looked clueless at the plate, very feast or famine, lots of strikeouts, um, hopefully greener pastures somewhere else. I don't think we'll see him in a Cubs uniform this coming year. So I'm going to go out on a limb and kind of disagree with you on that. I feel like there's a, a shot he will come back. I don't know why. Maybe we're going to see a little a la Dexter Fowler, you know, circa 2016 when he came back to the team and, you know, on like literally the first day of spring training and everyone was kind of in shock after they all thought he was going to, you know, sign somewhere else. I'm not 100% sure that Kyle's going to another team. I think he loves Chicago. I think it would actually be beneficial to him to sign a one-year deal with the Cubs, stay where he's at, not having to move, go to another place, maybe not get the kind of money that he would get elsewhere because it probably is going to be comparable, maybe a little less in Chicago. But still, if you have a comfort level and you have that one year to prove yourself after a season where it was just so off the wall and maybe he allows himself to get into a position where, okay, the following season he might leave Chicago because he could make more money somewhere else, be it that he has a full season to show what he has. I'm not a. I'm not really ready to close the book on Kyle Schwarber leaving because, again, I think this is such a wonky season that we have just uh, witnessed that maybe we will. 
be able to have another chapter to see Paul Bunyan bat for the Chicago Cubs in 2021. I'd say if we're going to make uh, predictions, I think he's a perfect fit for one of the Ohio teams. I think uh, for the, the, the team to be named later, uh, the, the Cleveland team and the Cincinnati Reds to go back home, play with a lot less glaring lights. I think he could be a superstar in that, that state and make a good amount of money and also do really well in those stadiums. But uh, we'll see where that leads us. So let's move on to the sixth inning and in the sixth inning, we're going to cover the number seven story of 2020. And these are ranked in what we think are order of importance, right? Rhino. So this one has to be the most shocking, you know, has to be the most shocking story of our top 12 list. And it was the very shocking news late on a Thursday night, Lynn Casper, the long time TV voice and friend of the show, uh, Lynn Casper, departed the Cubs TV booth, the marquee booth, to take over the radio gig for the White Sox. What did you think when that happened, Ryan? And and are you still a little surprised? Yeah, I think I am. I think everybody was just in shock, obviously. You included when we saw the headline and went, wait, what? This can't be right. To move from the Cubs, where he had been for 16 seasons on television, to move to the Chicago White Sox organization to do radio, I think people couldn't make heads or tails of it. And as Len has explained, um, he has always loved radio, always wanted the opportunity to get a radio gig. And for him to be able to stay in his you know, residence in Wilmette, uh, where he lives with his family, and be able to stay in the same city, maybe just drive an extra 40 minutes uh, south to get to the ballpark. I think he just figured this was a great opportunity and one that he just wasn't willing to pass up. Um, But yes, when you say shocking, I definitely was shocked. He's going to be missed. Um, Len certainly was somebody that I think grew a huge following with this organization, with the fan base. And I know he's going to do great things for being a part of the White Sox organization now and and now make that sort of legacy kind of like what Pat Hughes has done. With the Cubs, Len now has that opportunity with the White Sox. What about you? You know, the further away we get from the story, the less shocked I am. When it happened, it just hit me upside the head. And then you hear more about it. And then you really think about it. You know, one of the things we talked about on the podcast when that happened was, you know, Pat Hughes probably is not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. He is going to be the radio voice for as long as Pat Hughes is able to be the radio voice. I don't don't think the 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 longevity of a tv guy matches the longevity of a radio guy i mean vin scully is 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 obviously you know an outlier (laughs) since he actually was broadcasting brooklyn dodger games and that existed well before we were live but with lynn you know he shared and we didn't know this we didn't know this we didn't ask him this when he was on our podcast we asked him kind of some of the highlights he wanted to do but he didn't really share with us that he wanted to be a major league baseball radio play-by-play guy and that guy has the opportunity to be a part of every game for the entire season all the way through to potential game seven in a world series when you're the tv guy your your season ends early because all the games move to the national broadcast and so it's 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 joe buck 
saying the most iconic words on TV and not Lynn Casper. So if you really want to broadcast for the rest of your life, the radio gig is the one to go. And so I'm excited he has this opportunity. You're right. He's got children here in the area. He doesn't have to move anywhere else. He doesn't have to go to another market. He has familiarity with the South Side. This is a, a, a decision he pushed. He asked for. He asked for his release, so to speak. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the, what the new voice is going to be in the TV booth. But um, Lynn Casper um, will always be a part of Cubs history. As you remarked when we interviewed him on the podcast, You know he matched Harry Carey's time as the play-by-play guy. So he has a long legacy here. Um, he will definitely be remembered. He didn't leave on bad terms. And it is time for a new era for the Cubs TV booth. The boys will be back with part one of their interview with Mark Silverman of The Waddle and Sylvie Show. Chad, you know, 2021 is finally here. And I'll tell you what, after the year we had, we should definitely find some time to raise a glass and have a drink so we can say goodbye to 2020. That's right. And why not bring in the new year with a glass of Federalist wine? It's the perfect drink to ring in the new year and bring an end to what's been, I'd say, a, a bit of a difficult last nine months. Yeah, you've absolutely said it. You can also pair the Federalist wine with that New Year's dinner you'll make or maybe order out from. And you won't have to spend all that money as you usually do on New Year's Eve, too, because no one's really going out. The Federalist wine is an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters, and that's damn good taste. It's a bold choice with baseball or any sport. You can pair it with any food you desire. And if you go to uncorked.com, we have a special offer for you. That's uncorked.com, code CUBS20. And you get 20% off your entire purchase. That's the Federalist wine. This is an American craft wine. So go to uncork.com, use the promo code CUBS20, and get 20% off your purchase. I drink it. Chad drinks it. You should too. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch and uh, friend of the program. I think uh, the the one guest we've had on more than anybody else, which is a testament to what uh, what I think about this guy, Mark Silverman. Welcome to the Friendly Confines. How are you doing? It is great to be back. This is, I think, my third time. Yeah, and uh, I love going on with you. We we've we've been uh, broadcasting together since nineteen what ninety one or two. Yeah, ninety two. Like yep. That. Yeah. And still, still going strong. I appreciate you being on here, uh, taking a, to, some time from your very busy schedule at ESPN 1000. As uh, everybody knows, your co-host of the Waddle and Sylvie show, you guys are just crushing it there. How much fun is that? Just uh, that's your job every day. It's crazy. Like, so it will be, it was after the Super Bowl that the Bears were in against um, Indy in, in, you know, the start of 07. It was the 06 season is when Waddle and I were put together. So we're going on, it will be at the, like in February, it will be 14 years that uh, we've been together on the radio. So it's, I mean, which is, is huge in, in the radio industry. So I just, you know, count my blessings every day and very thankful to be doing something that I love and in the city that I love. 
love that. We'll get into a little bit of that as we continue the conversation. But let's let's talk about the Cubs. I know it's the offseason, but I so much wanted to have you on for this show as we kind of look back, but then also look ahead. You know, as we look back on the 2020 season, such a unique one, um, and we look ahead and we've got Jed Hoyer, we've got a new leader at the helm. What is your mindset on the future of this team going into this next year? I the the, the mindset is is that I don't know what my mindset is. Yeah, and. I think I'm still confused. I think a lot of Cubs fans are confused. Do the Cubs know what their mindset is into the future? Does it depend on what they get for people? Does it depend on, you know, where Tom Ricketts wants to take it? So I, I'm still not sure. Are they, and, and we've talked about this. They've mentioned, and Theo, before he left, mentioned about threading a needle and how it's very hard to retool but still try to win, but they could do it. And they feel like there's still a chance, and a lot has changed since then. Obviously, Theo leaves, but uh, you know a lot of the guys, including Jed, are still there. But when they dial it up and they say they're retooling, and I read that, hey, are they going to trade you, Darvish? Are they going to trade Contreras? And then are now all of a sudden are we not retooling, or are the Cubs not retooling, and are are they rebuilding? And I just I just don't know. I'm not sure about this. And then. What happens with Chris Bryant? Do you take him into the season? Do you trade him at the deadline hoping that his his market increases, that he's producing, and that the 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 financials get better? And so a team is now willing to give up a prospect. Do you sign Javi? What what are you doing with Rizzo? Um, does Schwarber come back? There's so many I don't know at all. And I think my mindset is pure confusion right now. If you had a magic wand, and I mean, you're you're a broadcaster, you're 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 you know one of the top guys in the Chicago market, so you you also have that professional role, but you're also a Cubs fan. If you had a magic wand, a magic Cubs fan wand, and you could do anything you wanted to do in this this postseason, do you go aggressively? Do you blow it up for a year? If you're in Jed's role right now, what would you do? What do you think that is the right answer for this team after? A, a really sustained success, but but only kind of reaching the the promised land one time over the last six years. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's really tough because a lot of the reasons you're in this situation is because of free agency getting you in trouble with some deals maybe that you don't want. Whether the how everything they've given up, money and prospects for closers. You know what I mean? They continue to chase there. And do you have a closer in Kimbrell and what he signed for? Do you believe that he's fixed? And and because he doesn't probably have much value on the trade market right now. So my magic wand is this, is even though the Cubs are crying poor, we know they're not poor. And we know that this franchise is worth billions. And we know that the money will return, even though times are bad bad right now um and that that hotel will be full and the seats will be full and the rooftops will be full and the bars will be full and that while everyone is zigging you zag and you pick up some of these players who i think you're going to be able to get at a much cheaper price than you normally would have if this didn't hit but i don't think that's what they're going to do so i think it's clearly doing something with a magic wand because I, I really believe there could be a greater return on investment now, but just all the teams are going to do the same thing and go cheap. And I know that, that COVID is is kind of that X factor that we're not really sure how it's going to affect things. But if you look at really the 
baseball over the last couple of seasons. I mean, the winter meetings, this last one was very anticlimactic. Yeah, the, the White Sox made some moves. You look at when free agency opens up. It's been at a snail's pace, not just this year, but for a few years. Has baseball changed so dramatically? Do you feel what, what's your take on just the the slowness to any market uh, um, presenting itself, and and, the, and what seemingly it, it feels like the the front office and the players association kind of doing a little standoff before anybody commits too much money too soon? And I think Chad, there's going to be more of a standoff coming up. I mean. We don't even know when spring training is going to happen. Is opening day going to happen when it's supposed to? Are they going to cut the schedule down? Are they going to not start until Memorial Day? Are they going to want to see if the vaccine is available? And then maybe they can have more people coming to some of the games. So it's, you know, the last couple of years, it's been boring because I think the calendar has always been, you know, with these uh, owners meetings, general managers meetings. There's always, I, I'll never forget the giddiness of following the John Lester story on, on, on Twitter. I mean, that was the ultimate. Mm. And then the following year you, you followed up with Zobrist and, and Hayward and Hayward at the time was a huge Getty. It's such a good year with St. Louis and looked really good in the postseason against us that year. But yeah, it's, it's very slow and it's not, it's, it's not as fun for the fans and it's not as fun for us to talk about because do really anybody want to talk about baseball when there's nothing going on? So let's put that Cubs fan hat back on here. And when you look at this lineup, who are the ones that you, it would just hurt to lose? Or do you feel like that anybody is available if the sustained success could, could present itself? Who's untouchable? Who do you feel like uh, there there's, it's okay. It's okay to dangle. You talked about some of the rumors that are out there around Contreras and, and about you, Darvish, but as a Cubs fan, um, I've always thought that Javi Baez is just the, has become the face of the franchise and is, is untouchable. But I'm not so sure anymore. I feel like right. that, that anybody could go. Right, right. And I don't know if I would call anyone untouchable. I mean, I, what do you think about when you look at Javi and when he struggles like he did this year and you hope that no one goes through these seasons again like a lot of the Cubs, but the problem with Javi is, is he doesn't get on base. So when he does, when he hits 200 or if he hits 230, the on base percentage is going to be 300 or sub 300. It's crazy where a guy like Schwarber could give you a 235 year, but he could still hit 35 bombs and go with a uh, 345 on base percentage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I like I don't know. I mean, Javi is so good in the field. He's so electrifying with what he can do, and, and the way he can energize a team. Um, if there's one guy for me personally that I would hate to see go, I just think that Rizzo has been turned into the like modern Mister Cub. Yeah. That even when he struggles, he does stuff to help you, and I feel like he's the guy that you can rely on most. And I know that he's got a kind of a, 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 a weird back and he's getting a little bit older and I'm not telling you that I would still pay him 30 million a year, but I would do whatever I can to keep Anthony Rizzo in a Cubs uniform for the rest of his career. The other ones I think are, are, are going to be tough. I wish Chris Bryant would have made the decision harder. I think it sucks that if you do trade him now that you're going to get something very little for him at one time, you know, we thought he was going to be the next great thing and just as constant and consistent as anybody, but that hasn't been the case. When you look at, at the the players, you look at the history that, that this team had, you talk back to, you know, the excitement around 
John Lester coming on board and and uh, you know if you look back from two you know 2015 to where we are even though missed the playoffs in one year this is this is the greatest time to be a Cubs fan if you, if you can appreciate it but I think there's there's a concern I have and I've I've voiced this before I'd love to hear your thoughts on this I I feel that the members of the, that 2016 team the ones that are still here they don't really have to do much more to retire a legend in Chicago or be able to come back and not buy any drink. Do you think there's anything to that, that the fire just can't be as strong because they accomplished something so Herculean? Um, I, you know, it, it's a good question, you know, and it, and it, it did flame out quite, like it is the best time to be a Cubs fan, but I never would have anticipated that the manager of the Cubs to bring them to a world series would have been gone. What? Four years later. Yeah or three years later and, you know, Chris Bryan and an MVP year, like think about what Chris Bryan accomplished. And now four years later, we're talking about him going, think about all the times there were, there was pressure on a Cubs team, whether it was Oh three and they buckled under the pressure with five outs to go or Oh four, when they built what I thought was a better team in Oh four and they totally collapsed in the last week of the season think about the, all the pressure the Cubs had in 16 and all the pressure that Bryant had individually being a great player in 15, wanting the contract, wanting to be brought up right away, winning rookie of the year. And then him following that up with winning the MVP in the year that the Cubs end a 108 year curse or, you know, drought. It's incredible. So you would think they'd all be legends and they'll, They'll all be guys that will all forever will be given a standing ovation. But it's just to me, it's just I can't wrap my brain around that. You may be you may have to trade Chris Bryant for a B-level prospect that that still does not sit well with me. So I'm going to say something that uh, that may probably not the most popular opinion in the world. And I'll preface it by saying that I, I would love to buy Theo Epstein a, a drink. I would love to cheers him. I'd love to tell him that his role in this team is as important as Ben Zobrist and Kyle Hendricks and the others. Am I being too harsh by being upset that he, he that it feels like he bailed on the last year of his contract and and he didn't see this way? saying this thing through do you, do you think i'm being way too harsh by feeling that way i no i mean i don't think that's big and you're mr positive yeah. to begin with um i understand why he left i mean jed is going to lead the team and do you want a guy leaning over jed's shoulder doing moves that he wants to do when he's not going to be accountable for these next moves and there have been some moves that haven't been the best and theo is very aware and he mentioned that in the press conference and the one thing he failed in both Boston and Chicago is once they reached the top, they made some weird moves and they made moves and, and like the Quintana trade. And it was really good on paper. I'll, I'll always understand why they made it, but they didn't pull the trigger on Verlander, yeah. you know, and, and just some of the other things that they could have done and maybe didn't do, or they did do and that they wish that they didn't do. But yeah, I would have loved to see it. Like, I think it's easier to leave when you're on top and uh, to say, look, my work here isn't done. Sign me for another year. I know I said 10 years. I'm through nine, but add another year to my contract and then give me a couple of years to get this right. Let's, let's get it back. So I understand your, your philosophy. And I think, Chad, this, this goes into the whole confusion thing on how, how we opened it on, what your mindset is the whole mindset of this whole thing 
is just confusing. Dealing with COVID, dealing with a, an owner right now that that is is firing PR people. He's firing low-level employees. They're firing scouts because, quote, they don't have the money. I mean, it's that's very confusing. Knowing what the path is, are they really – who are they trading? Do they do they even know it? So I think your question about, about Thea is a good one. Hi, this is Andre Dawson, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on the Friendly Confines podcast. And once again, a huge thanks to Mark Silverman, of course, the most profiled guest on the Friendly Confines, coming through once again, our Saluki brethren. Always great when you can catch up with him, Chad, and we're always appreciative of Mark's time. And of course, you can find Mark on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie. You can also find Chad and I on social media. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And of course, don't forget, we're also on Facebook, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We love interacting with you, the listener. We'd love to hear from you, interact with you. So please be sure to join and make sure to, of course, hear whatever it is that we are working on for our next episode as well as we kick yeah, good off the eighth inning. Yeah, good stuff. And, and we'll have part two of our interview with Sylvie on uh, the show next week. So let's move on to the eighth inning, as you shared. And and uh, this is kind of a fun segment. You know, we're, we're going to we're going to wrap up the, the, the top six stories on next week's show. But for the eighth inning, we're going to take a step back and kind of reflect because we've got a big year, probably the biggest year of guests of any Cubs podcast you could imagine. I could say that without any tongue in cheek. That's just legit. And so with all the guests we've had, Rhino, who was your favorite guest uh, 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 th- that you can think of right now and why? I mean, Chad, it's like asking who's your favorite child, right? Yeah. So hard to pick because, as you said, we've had so many amazing guests over the past year. And it's been remarkable the feedback we've gotten from people to come on. But one that really stuck out to me is certainly our interview with Washington Post writer and author, Pulitzer Prize-winning author, and of course, diehard Cubs fan, George Will. I mean, it was pretty surreal to have George Will on the other line, Chad, when we were chatting with him and he was talking about his history and his connection to the Cubs and how he became a Cubs fan and just how much it meant to him when the Cubs won the World Series and where he was. So, I would have to say George Will was someone that I literally hung on every word. Not to say I didn't do that with other interviews, but George Will was definitely somebody that uh, stood out to me for this year. What about you? I I love it because, yeah, brilliant, really, really super smart uh, brainiac guys. They're just like us. They're just like, oh, yeah, I remember I remember with George. I, I'd never prepped for an interview quite like I had because I felt like I needed to be more careful, but it, like you're more thoughtful rather. But he was so good, so um, and he ultimately, he's just like us. He's a Cubs fan, and he had some great stories. So for me, it's a no-brainer. My number one favorite uh, guest of, of this year, my number one favorite guest, period, has to be Pat Hughes. I mean, what a thrill to be able to, to talk to him, you know, to have his ear – I'm sorry, his, his, his voice in my ear – um, just one-on-one. He had so many great stories. Uh, he had so many uh, great recollections of, of, of his highlights um, as the, the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs. Um, and as you know, I mean, I, when I have the choice between watching it 
uh, on TV, watching it streaming over the internet or, or radio. I always have Pat Hughes um, over the sound system in the house. If I'm not at the game, Pat's in my ear at the house. And so to hear his stories um, and just, you know, to, just to realize the people that you revere and idolize are actually really good people. That was a lot of fun. And I, and I know our listeners uh, loved it as well. Awesome stuff. So let's move on and finish up here in the ninth inning, Chad. And of course the holidays are here. So what would you like for the holidays from the Chicago Cubs for the 2021 season? If they were to gift something for you, what do you got? Well, you know, Sylvie talked about a lot of those things and and we're going to cover that next week in terms of, you know, his, his viewpoints. What I would share is I've shared this with you before. If Jed Hoyer's coming in to blow it up, that's really going to be disappointing for a top market team, a team that's worth billions, uh, a team that is going to recover when all is said and done from from this mess of COVID. Um, so I guess what I would say is is it's it's a twofold uh, wish. My wish is that every one of our listeners comes out of this happy, healthy uh, to 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 you and 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 all of your loved ones. But I and I wish that the Cubs. Um, as they look into the offseason, um, you know, from a not health standpoint is um, realize that with some tweaks and some changes, maybe this team can continue to be kept competitive and, and, and even be stronger. I think some tough decisions are going to have to be made here in, in the offseason. But I also think that there might be some deals to be had because a lot of people are holding off on making some some uh, some big, uh, big deals out there. So that would be my wish is is uh, twofold is is each of you. Thank you so much for your commitment and your connection and 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 being a part of uh, our, our little project here with the Friendly Confines podcast. Hope everyone is is uh, is well into the next year as we get through this. Um, but then from the Cubs perspective, go make some moves, be competitive and let Jed Hoyer make his mark. Yeah, for me, I'm going to have to go with just having, kind of like what you touched on, just having a safe and solid year where we're going to see, you know, 100-plus games of baseball. This past year, obviously, because of everything that happened, we were, you know, unable to, to get that. We were unable to see that for, of course, various reasons. But my hope is, is that spring training does start on time, that we get the full season in, that we're able – to have some semblance of a regular baseball season, even though we may not have fans in the stands, that we're going to be able to have that 2021 year make up for what we didn't get in 2020 and be able to see the full season of 162 games plus spring training and enjoy all the moments that we unfortunately did not get in 2020. That's a good vision. So with that, that is going to wrap things up. On this edition, the holiday edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Mark Silverman. For Chad, I am Ryan. Join us next week for our New Year's edition, where we will count down six to one of the top stories of the year, and then part two of our interview with Mark Silverman. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a good one. Happy holidays, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley Field
everyone. I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dossett. What is my distinct I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. Hey, this is Len Casper. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.